0: You're listening to the Bass Lessons Melbourne podcast. Episode 19, Lauren Pearce. how you doing? This is Craig here from uh, Bass Lessons Melbourne, and today I'm joined by Lauren Pierce for um, our player profile video. So thanks for coming around, Lauren. What oh, thanks had? for having me. Yeah, it's really great to meet you.
1: Yeah, you as well.
0: Um, like myself, you're not from around these parts.
1: Right, right. <laughs> so
0: um, whereabouts did you grow up?
1: Well, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, in the US. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I moved over here, I had been living in Texas for about five years. I was living in... Denton, which is a little bit north of Dallas, and then I um, had been living in Austin for a couple of years before okay. I moved over here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so growing up, you know, did you come up in a musical family? Or?
1: Well, my dad and my whole dad's side of the family is really musical. Um, my dad is a professional musician. My uncle um, wasn't a professional musician, but you know he was always playing music. Yeah. My grandpa was the same way. My grandpa actually made Instruments. He mostly made guitars, and so that we were always okay. had music around. So it was always yeah, just yeah. Part of the growing, yeah, growing up, that sound of like, you know, acoustic and electric guitars yep. playing is just that just brings back, you know, yep. memories. But my mom, not so much. <laughs> you know, she's like loves music, but just kind of, you know, not. She's an accountant. You okay. know, and says so she sings in the shower. Well, someday I'd have a normal job. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I, I did grow up in a musical background a musical family. And so there was a lot of support and understanding of you yeah. know, what it was like to be a musician from yeah, that cool. way. So
0: and did you start learning really young?
1: Yeah, um, I kind of st- I started playing music with my dad when I was, you know, as as young as, you know, I could stand up basically. But I started piano when I was seven um, and then I sang like all the way through, you know, um, elementary school. You guys call it primary school primary here, yep. and <laughs> uh, middle school, high school, and then I started playing bass when I was eleven. Okay, when I was in uh, middle school orchestra. So
0: right, yeah. or was it was it one of those things? All the other instruments are taken. We need a bass player. Or? Actually,
1: no, no. It's usually like that for yeah. for, for upright basses, <laughs> you know. But um, for me, I don't know what it was, but like as soon as my teacher got out the bass, I was like, I wanted, I want to do that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still have no idea what it was that drew me so much to it, but. Um, my teacher actually was like, you, I don't think that we should put you on bass. You're too small. So I think you should do violin. And I kind of like trudged home. Like, okay.
0: Maybe cello? Maybe yeah. Maybe like kind of-
1: you, yeah. I don't know why she like went straight for violin. But like, <laughs> maybe I was just actually really tiny and I don't remember it. But uh, I came home and I told my mom, because, you know, you have to like get parent yeah, permission, yeah. whatever. And she was like, no, you're playing bass. <laughs> so cool. mom was total champion for, for that. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: But I mean, uh, even as a grown adult, like it's it's a physical instrument, you know the bass. So as an eleven-year-old, what was that that, you know learning process where like yeah, bass, and then after first lesson, you're like this was a mistake, or yeah, no, no, not at all.
1: I mean, I think when you're, I mean, when you're young like that, I think we have such a good advantage because, I mean, nobody that I knew at you know in grade six was. In like intense private lessons, except for like one girl that had started when she was, you know, two years old or whatever. So, we were all just playing in an orchestra and like just blissfully unaware of like what we didn't know. And I think that's part of the fun for kids to start. So, no, I had no idea. I was just like, all right, this is what I'm doing, you cool. know. So it was good. And it wasn't until later that I started to realize, yeah, the bass is a little, it's a little uncomfortable sometimes, you know. So, yeah.
0: Cool. And so that was a pretty good music program at your school?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the arts are always the first thing to suffer, unfortunately, in yeah. in public schools. But I was really lucky because my teacher was great. Like, she was... Um, She was pretty intense, but in a good way, you Mm. know, like she was very no nonsense, but um, she gave you a really good
0: grounding, like basics and stuff. Yeah, definitely.
1: And if she saw that you had some kind of potential or drive, then she really, really, you know, pushed you to do, you know, competitions, all state orchestra, that kind of thing. And so I was really lucky that way, you know, honestly, I just feel really lucky that there was even a program at my school because, you know sometimes for
0: sure and were you still doing piano and singing at the same time
1: yeah for a while there i was doing piano i was singing and you know like talent shows and things like that which was just kind of a fun thing and then um yeah i was i was doing bass i mean i really didn't get that serious about bass until i was maybe 15 16 and i Joined um, the Atlanta Symphony Youth Orchestra, okay. and then I was like, "Oh, like I need to get my act together. <laughs> like, these are like real musicians." But I played piano all the way until I was—I mean, I took lessons till I was about 18, and then I stopped when I went to college. But yeah. I was So kind you of doing were like everything. kind of
0: grade eight kind of level on the piano.
1: Um, I don't know what that means, but sure. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so like you, you were like as good on the piano as you were on the bass, kind of thing. Oh or?
1: yeah, you know I probably had advanced a lot more on piano Mm. than, than bass at that point. I mean, it took me a while to really feel comfortable with the bass, you know, with the piano, of course, you know, there was, there's always things to work on things that I was uncomfortable with, but with bass, I think partially because it's such a physical instrument and partially because I just hadn't like really, I don't know, sat down and like grinded myself into it, you know, like, like with piano and voice, um, it wasn't until college, really, that I um, or university, sorry, <laughs> until I um, until I really started to, to feel comfortable with the mm. instrument. So. Because
0: like sound production on piano was that, yeah, one finger, yeah. and the the note only exists in one place.
1: Yeah, ex- there's a yeah, there's a lot that's a whole lot easier. And I mean, you're asked to do a lot more on piano yeah. for sure. And
0: potentially eight notes at a time or something. Yeah, like that.
1: that was that was where I struggled. Was like the two hands at one, which is the whole thing, you know. But, yeah. um. Yeah, with bass, that was that was something I didn't even start to, you know, think about until later, was all the different options that you have. And just, because for so long, you're just trying to get a sound that isn't mm. terrible, you know, out of the instrument. And so, yeah. It's
0: yeah, mm. so finishing high school, you went mm. on to study at?
1: Uh, the University of South Carolina.
0: South Carolina. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you study in classical?
1: Yeah, I always did classical. Um, just because that was what I grew up with doing at but, home
0: was that classical music at home? Mr.
1: Well, my dad kind of did everything. Right. He, we were talking about this earlier about yeah. annoying people that do everything. That's my dad as well. Okay. Like he pretty much any instrument he picks up, he's like great, you know. So, um, but he mostly did, you know, classic rock, jazz, um, anything but classical okay. was his his forte, you know, yeah. but um, I studied classical all the way through um, through school till now mm. um, and uh, so when I went to school at South Carolina I was in the classical program but I was doing music education because I, I thought I wanted to be you know an orchestra director at like a high school so that was how I started and it wasn't until later that I realized that I wanted to play be a performer yeah so yeah
0: because making that decision when you're that young, it's, it's quite a big yeah. commitment to say I want yeah. to teach this instrument because then one of the things I found with some teachers is that they just spend their whole life in an institution you know you have exactly. primary school secondary school exactly. university back to education
1: exactly and, and it's, it's not I mean it, there's nothing wrong with it because you're going to yeah. I mean they're going to play gigs they're going to like venture out in the real world but it's it's true it's kind of you know you just go back to that education Um, environment, you know, and you kind of have to wonder, um, I guess
0: It's just a broadening of the
1: Exactly, and 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 again, you know, I know so many amazing teachers that are fantastic musicians that have, you know, spent so much time doing, honing their own craft as well, but that was kind of what I struggled with a little bit because at one point I was thinking I was going to go out and get a doctorate as well and I was thinking, I'm going to be in school for, what 10 years, (laughs) like, yeah, forever. And then I'm going to go back and be in school again. Like, there's nothing wrong with the education environment, obviously. But for me, it was just the idea of, first of all, being an orchestra director sounded a lot sounded very fun, and I think it is. But then you gotta deal with administration, and like, you know, you gotta choose pieces, and it just...
0: It's not necessarily all musical.
1: Exactly. And
0: if you're passionate about music.
1: Exactly. Those
0: kind of, I mean, even teaching. Exactly. in In a school, whatever.
1: And, you know, it gets to the point where, I talk about this a lot with my teacher friends, you know, private teachers and orchestra director friends, where, you know, you have so much that can potentially get in the way of the students, you know, and the students are rarely the problem, you know, it's, it's like coordinating concerts or finding uniforms or like dealing with administration issues or yep. budget issues and that kind of thing. And, and exactly. And, and so, you know, for me, I just, I want to, obviously I spend a lot of, of my effort, you know, in education and, and furthering double base education particularly, but, um, you know, in in the public schools, it can sometimes, There's no fault of anybody, really, because they're just trying to do you know the best that they can. It it yeah. can sometimes get a little bit clouded. I think. Yeah. You know.
0: When you're in South Carolina, did you have uh, like a, a teacher there who really started to kind of make things oh, yeah. happen for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: My my teacher, um, Craig Butterfield, was the bass teacher there, and he played a concert like the first day that I arrived on campus. And of course, you know, the whole studio had to go, everybody went and I just remember sitting there like jaw open, like, oh my God. (laughs) Like I'd heard great bass players before, but he just sounded so different than anybody I'd ever heard. His tone quality was so different. It was so, I don't know, like mellow, but also beautiful. And also, you know, it was just, I'd never heard bass played that way before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he was playing with a guitarist who he's played with a lot and it was just so cool to see that, you know, to be able to watch your teacher and be Mm. like, that's like, he's killing it right now. You know, that was really, really cool. I think that's
0: important to have, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a teacher who you you, you look up to essentially and can inspire you.
1: For sure. And you know, I had that when I was in high school, I studied Mm. with um, a man named Doug Summer who played in the Atlanta symphony and he was fantastic. You know, and I would go to Atlanta Symphony concerts and see him just dominate, you know, like Heldenleben or Beethoven 9 or whatever. Um, and that was really cool. But I think I kind of got used to that sound, you know, the orchestral sound, which is great. But when you hear something different, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's... So what,
0: what was he playing? What was um, Craig Butterfield playing that was...
1: Well, he did a lot of solo music, which is different than, you know, the orchestral kind of kind of thing. but even still for him, his, you know, he's just got such a distinct sound, you know, that it was so bright. And again, like it was pretty mellow. And yeah. um, he also did a lot of music that I just never heard of before, which wasn't saying much because I hadn't really done a whole lot of listening, you know, before I got to school. So um, it was just, I don't know how else to describe it except for just different you know yep. and there's still people now that I hear that I'm like whoa that's crazy but I think because I just not spent time listening to my instrument you sure. know until I got to school it was just such a pleasant shock you know yeah yeah. So. did
0: you have because um, when I was studying you know we didn't have YouTube Were oh you, yeah of that did you get a bit of that I was
1: <coughs> I was but you know I I didn't explore it as much you know, it wasn't until later when it really just started to get big. Because when I started school, it was there. YouTube started in what 2004? Is that right? Yeah, maybe. For some reason, that That's number sticks out to me. <laughs> <laughs> so you totally just missed yep. it. But um, it, was probably,
0: it was actually probably a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it 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 was kind of just like funny videos, you know, that that I would watch. Cat and videos. Exactly. <laughs> Cat videos. That was like great. <laughs> um, they were really going strong at that time, but. Um, a lot of a lot of classical musicians in particular hadn't mm. put their stuff out there, and I, I just hadn't I mean now you think, oh, I wonder what you know Catalume Murtaro is doing now. I wonder if you know Edgar Myers put anything out and you go and even just typing their name into Google will lead to everything but also YouTube, yeah. you know and um, that just wasn't even on my radar mm. at, at the time to go to YouTube and type in double bass, you know. Um, I really just like did a pretty terrible job for a while there, just not <laughs> listening to my instrument, and you know I got better at it. But it's just it blows my mind just <laughs> thinking about how I really just discovered all of the things that I love about my instrument, you know, since being in school essentially. Like you know,
0: ten years after you started. Yeah, playing.
1: exactly, exactly. Maybe
0: it's a good thing to come in, yeah. you know, clear from preconceptions and. I think it I think it was.
1: Think it was you know, and. I think now what's so cool about the internet is that, like, you know, like I was just saying, you can type in double bass in YouTube and you get so much. You can type in just classical music yeah. and you get so much. So you always, you know, know what other people are doing and what's possible. And
0: There's always benchmarks. and
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think about hearing my teacher Craig Butterfield talk about the first time that he heard Edgar Meyer mm. and just being totally blown away probably the same way that I was blown away by him yep. you know and thinking for you know for him like oh that's possible you know because he was playing like violin show pieces on bass you know when I mean I'm sure that there were other bass players that were doing it you yeah. know but he's the one that you know was doing all the competitions and, and winning all the Pop competitions the answer, yeah. and you know um, so that kind of thing really broadens your perspective. You know, it makes you think, oh, maybe if he could do it, I think I could do it. You know, and yeah. I think about like Gary Carr playing the swan on bass, you know, for that like radio broadcast and all the bass players out there are like, hey, wait a second, <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. So anyway, to, to <clears throat> kind of bring it back. Yeah, it was it was kind of cool, though, to not have that mm-hmm. because when you see people out there that are like half your age killing it, you know, it's inspiring, but you're also like, Oh dang, Mm. I gotta, (laughs) I gotta work on, you know, but I know for me for so long, I just had no idea what anybody else was doing. So I just kind of did my own thing and I didn't have any stress of where I should be at a certain point, which I think helped a lot.
0: Do you think it was good to be involved in performing from, an early age, you know, being in the orchestra. Yeah. I know a lot yeah. of, you know, we talk, we talk about performance anxiety and stuff, and mm-hmm. it's like, did you ever have issues with that, or do you oh, reckon, yeah? For, yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it, that that was actually a long journey <laughs> that yeah. took me a long time to overcome. But you know, it's it's different when you're playing solo music than when you're playing orchestral music. At least for me, because when you're on stage in an orchestra. You kind of look around and there's like a hundred other Safety people. In numbers, kind yeah. Of thing. Like if you, as long as you don't play like an arrest, which I've done many times, <laughs> like, you're you're like if I make a mistake,
0: just move the bass over in front. Of me.
1: <laughs> just put your ba- your uh, <laughs> bow in front of you, like yeah. oh, it didn't happen. But um, yeah, you know, if you're sitting in a section like a full bass section of eight people,
0: that must uh, just that must feel. With when eight double bass players, yeah. you know, pedaling like a it's little awesome. f or something like yeah, that, it's it must awesome. resonate inside mm-hmm. you.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's so great. Like, oh wow! It's so much fun, and especially when you play in a section where you all are used to each other, mm. you know, and and you kind of know what the principal is going to be doing, and and what everybody else is doing as well. You can kind of fit in as one. That's a really cool feeling, yeah. you know. And and with that, I don't feel as much pressure because you know, you are responsible for your own, for what you're doing, but you're also kind of, you're interacting and you're kind of leaning on each other. So for that, you know, the, I never really had performance anxiety in that way. But as soon as I started playing solo music, I definitely, And
0: was that at university something? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Through so choice
0: or it was like
1: well, part it's of part, what you had to do? It's kind of part of the curriculum, mm. you know, like when you're Playing when you're taking lessons in university, um, you kind of you kind of have to play solo music. Mm. It just helps you learn the whole map of the instrument. I mean, you don't have to, but I think a lot of it's teachers, a start, yeah, yeah, and also for auditions, you know, you will need to know some kind of solo music because that's a really even if you're just doing the orchestral route, mm-hmm. they'll ask you to play something, you know, concerto, moving a box, something. So. Um, a lot of people spend a lot of time on solo music, and I spent a lot of time on solo music because I just fell in love with it. Okay. So, yeah, um, it was it was a frustrating time going through performance anxiety, though, because mm. I wanted to perform. But every time I would get up to perform or be about to perform, I'd be like, I don't want to do this. Shut it down. Shut it down. I don't want to do this. I'll just go home and go to sleep. Um, so it took a while to...
0: And is, do you reckon it would be related to... Not being prepared, or were you always like always on top of things, kind of thing?
1: Um,
0: because I know when, when it happens to me, it's usually because there's that
1: yeah. little bit of
0: doubt, because mm, you should you yeah. should really know this that bit better, exactly. And then it just gets yeah. magnified and magnified, and that kind
1: of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think <clears throat> being prepared is, I mean, for me, I know that I over prepare for the sake of just making sure mm. that everything is, you know, because if something happens or something doesn't sound good, I want to know that it was at least not because I didn't put enough work in, you know? But I think you kind of have to figure out exactly the right way to prepare as well. Um, You know, you might be able to sit down and play a whole piece all the way through, but do you know the piano part very well? like? What's gonna happen when you make a mistake? Are you prepared for that? Can yeah. you, like, can you come back from that? Yeah. What happens if you can't hear yourself or you can't hear the piano? What happened? like, how do you start the piece? Because you
0: take yourself from your practice studio to yeah. this alien environment. Mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. People and different acoustics. And exactly. And you know, you know, lights and...
1: Exactly, and you know, as soon as people are in the seats too, it's like everything changes, you know? In a practice room, you could just practice in, you know, sweatpants and like, <laughs> dark lighting or and just whatever pants, yeah. yeah just <laughs> pants like <laughs> whatever floats your boat you know it doesn't matter but then you know you've got so many other things and then on top of all the other things you have to worry about like the lighting and people and piano and
0: yeah.
1: or whatever then you have to remember the music you know and um
0: is that a thing you generally have to
1: memorize it you don't have to okay uh, but i i really like memorizing sure. music if i can i just think it looks cleaner and i i feel better I feel like I know it better yeah. if I have it memorized, yep. you know? And I also feel like I can interact with, you know, if I'm playing with piano or I'm playing with, you know, a violin. You can um, perform I can, instead of being... Exactly. I yeah. can, like... Because if there's a music stand in front of me, I'm going to look gonna at look it. You're going to look at it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And... Even if I try to, like, you know, come away from the stand, it's...
0: It's your focus. It's yeah, always there. because then you're shifting between two different mindsets. Exactly. That, and then it's just like, yeah. oh, there's a whole other world happening out here, and, yeah. and that can mess you up as well.
1: Yeah, and I don't feel like I can interact with the audience or, like, my, you know, musical partner in, in the same way if I have a stand, mm. like, right there, but, you know, there are some settings where it doesn't make sense to memorize it, like chamber music or orchestra music, but... For solo music, definitely. But then that just adds a whole other level. you know. And I do this weird psyching myself out kind of thing where I'll be playing something and everything's going great. And then my scumbag brain is like, <laughs> you don't remember this part. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just over. You uh, know? Yeah, like like, I don't know why your brain does it, but I've just had to... I mean, again, it's been a long time process for me yeah. when I get that. I mean, because of course I still get it, but when I get that voice in my head, like, you don't know this part.
0: Do you have another voice? Yeah, like, I have to. Shut have,
1: up. Yeah, I've got to have like the angel and the demon, you know, like the demon just like, you're going to mess up. You're going you're gonna to play that attitude of You're not going to remember this. And then the other... You know the little angel who's just like, no, 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 you did a good job preparing. <laughs> like you're gonna do great, yeah. and everyone's gonna love you. You know, and you kind of like, I have to fight those two, but it's almost, I don't know where that voice comes from. You know, whether it's like worry or it's just something like your brain just offers up for because it's bored or something. But so
0: have you done any relaxation things like Alexander technique or
1: breathing well, things? I or? haven't done Alexander technique. Okay. Um, uh, I had a friend that. That did, and it really helped him for just you know performing—not necessarily performance anxiety, but just performing more relaxed Relaxed, and not tensing up. But um, what really helped me was actually a book by a bass player, Barry Green, called the—it's the the Inner Game of Music. That's what it is. Yeah, it's, it's a great book, all on. It's not only on performance anxiety, but a big chunk of it is. It's mostly just about you know relaxing when you're mm. playing, so you can let the music come mm. out, you know. And he has a lot of techniques that really helped him, um, and that helped me tremendously. I mean, it took a while for it to sort of implement, but a lot of what I do is you know some of the techniques in that book, and also you know preparing in the right way. Like I was saying earlier, you know, I can know the music inside and out, but. If I get thrown off by, like, you know, the length of the program or, like, actually, you know, going from piece to piece or cueing mm. my pianist or, like, looking stuff at the All that stuff that you only do you know? when you're
0: on the gig kind of thing.
1: Exactly. Or, like, if, if a stand just, like, falls, you know, makes a huge, like, <laughs> sound, what am I going to do? Somebody's you know? always going to
0: go. <coughs>
1: exactly. And I can't just stop and, like. <laughs> accusatory glance and then just keep going it doesn't work that way you know so I do a lot of um, you know leading up to a performance or a recording I make sure at the end of the day when I'm really tired and really unfocused to go through the whole program and that always helps me you know and it helps that little voice too Mm. you know when I'm about to go on stage and that voice is like you're not ready then I can tell myself, no, actually, I'm probably more ready. Like, I might actually be bored in this performance. I'm so ready, you know. Um, And that helped with the performance anxiety tremendously. And visualization was also really helpful, you know, to sort of... Because anything can throw you off. Lights, um, not being aware of what is going on in in the space, not knowing, you know, where you're going to put your end in even is, like, a massive thing for me, which is so small, but...
0: um, Well, I guess it's when you've spent so much time with that music and hearing it in a certain way Mm -hmm. in a certain environment that when Mm -hmm. you take it into a different environment and all those variables have changed. It's like learning something where I'm playing along with a song or something. Mm -hmm. I can play along with it, but what I don't realise is I'm making minute adjustments all the time to kind of yeah. fit in yeah. and I'm going to go and play it with the band,
1: mm-hmm.
0: all those subconscious cues and stuff mm-hmm. from the recording aren't there because right. you know they aren't the CD. Mm-hmm. So then immediately I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound like what it sounded like, even yeah. though it does, but it's just how my brain's learned it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know,
0: just being so I actually have to like over overlearn it.
1: Yeah, no, it's exactly, that's, that's what it is. It's like not relying on those musical cues, yeah. but knowing that they might be there, you know, it's this weird, Mm. we have to be flexible, but also rigid with, with our own part in a certain way, you know, so. It was
0: interesting what you're saying about, you know, doing it when you're tired and unfocused, Mm -hmm. because I remember reading an interview with um, Victor Mm Wooten, and um, somebody said, you know, does there anything that you do to kind of get prepared for, for a big gig or whatever, Mm -hmm. and he says he likes to like go and, do like a bike ride or exercise workout and like exhaust himself yeah because then when he goes to perform he says that's when he's he at his most honest yeah. like when it's all he's mm-hmm. kind of like spent and you can just only focus on, on yeah. that one thing yeah I guess different than being all like hyped up and aware of yeah. everything yeah kind of narrowing down your focus which is interesting
1: yeah when I when I started to I started to come up with this sort of routine for performing days, Mm -hmm. specifically for solo performances, you know, um, and it was all about just, you know, what choices can I make that'll help me tonight when I have to perform. And one of them was like, I always made sure I would go on a long run, you know, at the beginning of the day. So I, you know, it's always good for you to exercise, but I found that that helped a lot with, you know, just being nervous because. It just kind of calmed me down, and I think exhausted me a little bit. Yep. So I didn't have, I, I didn't spend the whole day just like jittery, kind of thinking about oh, what, and also what's coming. It's
0: something to do, right? Exactly. Take your mind off a little bit.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You but can't that just. Point, practice that point, no point if
0: you have to if you have to practice on the day, then you probably haven't practiced enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I used to practice a lot on the day, but it mm. was more just to sort of like ease my mind, and now I don't know if it's just like I've. I've gotten older or something, but it's now, when I have a big performance, I'm like, ah, I'm fine.
0: Well, you've done yeah. enough that you know that you, yeah. you've, done, yeah. you've done enough that you can get yeah. through
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm also more comfortable with my instrument, you know, sure. so I know that it's, I mean, there's nothing I'm going to learn on the day. Yeah. That's actually going to stick in a performance probably, you know, and, and sure. no technique exercise that I'm going to do that's going to magically make me yeah. play something more in tune, you know, than, exactly. than I was already. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the decision to do like solo performance music, well, just any kind of, you know, if you decide to be a performer, mm-hmm. you know, you hear people saying, um, you know, they just do it for the, for the audience. I don't know, I kind of do it for me first. And then, you know, obviously, yeah. it's great, there's an audience there. Yeah. But do you, like, sometimes do you ever question, you know, why you're doing it? Absolutely. Your, 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 your reasons, like, why why am I doing this? Yeah. Like, why do I want to play in this band? Why do I want to play this mm-hmm. music? Is it for... <laughs> at the end of it? You know, or, or, you know, yeah. it's like, kind of like, am I just playing so that people go, that was awesome? Or is it actually because I want to perform?
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I
0: like playing bass. I'm like, do I really like playing... Gigs in front of people, yeah, where I feel pressure and I mess mm-hmm. up and all that kind of thing. So,
1: yeah, I struggled with that. Uh, well, maybe struggled is a bit of an intensive a word, but yeah. I thought about that a lot because, yeah. you know, I went through that whole question questioning kind of thing where it was like, am I just doing this because I like attention? You know, <laughs> and I mean, I think it was good for me to go through that because it really made me. Think about what's the purpose of what I'm doing. Am I yeah. helping people? You know, like, what am I doing? You know, like, a even a, a business owner that opens a shop, they've got, you know, the things that they sell, whether it's, you know, products or a service or whatever, it's for people that need that service, you know, and it helps even if they're just all about the money. Like, they're just passively helping people, you know, and I, I struggle with that a lot because with, Education. I mean, of course, I can see in the many different ways that it helps students, you know, not just in a way that they are learning to play music, but it helps in a lot of different areas, you know. But with performing, I really had to ask myself, are you doing this just because you like it? You know, are you just doing it only for you and nobody else? And if so, is is that a problem? You know, like. And I don't really have a final answer to it. It's just, I've realized that in some, in so many ways, us performing does help people, even in, you know, a passive way, you know, Mm -hmm. like providing enjoyment, you know, a way for people to sort of forget about what they're doing Mm -hmm. for even a moment, you know, and-
0: Because you've been in that situation as well, at performance.
1: Absolutely, Yeah, yeah, absolutely, where you know, I've I've watched even a video or gone to a performance or something where I just don't have to think about the mm. terrible day I had or think about you know all the things that I have to do or whatever. You can just kind of get lost and it's. I mean, it's not as selfless as you know a lot of other things may be, but it it is a way to. You know, it there is a way to help people with music. You know, um, and that that was really what I struggled with was. About, you know, am I actually doing a good service mm. for people or is it just because I want to be a diva and, you know, play but what I want to play? I
0: think, you know, we're kind of driven to that. Like, we all, we do all kind of, to mm-hmm. some extent, want attention and,
1: totally. and yeah. acknowledgement for, yeah.
0: for what we do. Yeah. But I think the thing that I come back to is like, there's been moments where I've been playing where I've been in a space that I'd never enter into any other.
1: Time yeah. in my mm-hmm. being, yeah.
0: You know, so it's just like, well, that's that's kind of the goal. Not every every performance gets there, yeah. But you know, certain sections of, of certain performances, there's mm-hmm. definitely a space that I enter that is that I can only get from doing that, yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's kind of like my main reason is that it's just like, well, I'm, I'm making art. I enjoy yeah. it. I love the bass and, and I love the yeah. fact that people are here enjoying it as well. But it's kind of, you know, it takes, it's a a release almost.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah, And I like the way that you said that, you know, you're, we're making art, you know, and what's, what's the point of art? We have to, uh, I think we
0: always have to remember that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, I think with, with music, it can be a hobby and it can also be a career choice, you know, with, with most art, you know, and so I think um, sometimes that can be a little bit frustrating when. Other people maybe don't see like how serious we are about you know what we do um, but I've learned that it's you know again it's just art and we're just putting good things out to the world and I have to remember that just like anybody else yeah does you know so, yeah
0: yeah yeah put out some good vibrations
1: totally yeah
0: so um, after South Carolina mm-hmm. what's next where did you go after that
1: uh, well I graduated from USC and then I Went to um, the University of North Texas to get my master's. Um, did not finish my master's, but master's I, in in music performance. performance? Yeah, and yeah, I right. went over to North Texas because uh, the teacher there, Jeff Bradetich, is um, he's one of the big you know bass pedagogues in the world, and I had studied with him over a couple summers and um, I just really, really clicked with him. I still love the way that he teaches, the way that he plays, he's fantastic. And my teacher, um, Craig Butterfield, was a student of Jeff, and so it just kinda made sense. Um, And so I went over to North Texas with the idea that I was gonna get my masters and then get my doctorate and be a college professor that was the whole plan so you went from like,
0: orchestra director to yeah, exactly. yeah like, exactly. still shying away from maybe I should just play
1: well or sort of you know it. I was going to be an orchestra director and then I realised no I'm just going to play music but from so many different angles I was getting like no being a professional musician is is really difficult you're not going to have like the kind of um, financial support that you need to you know like eat food and yeah. stuff and so um my teacher was like, well, have you thought about teaching at a university? And so then I sort of just took that idea and kind of ran with it, not really thinking that it's probably equally as difficult, you know, to teach at a major university. At that level. Yeah, right. As as just being a professional musician. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's fine. We'll think about it later. <laughs> so that's where that came from, you know. And my teacher and Jeff Bradet, well, Jeff Bradach and Craig, both my teachers, you know, had this, had this job that allowed them to explore their own um, musical passions, you know, and mm. um, I think that that's where Craig was coming from, you know, in particular where he was like, you know, you can, you can still do the different kind of stuff that you want to do, but you can also be teaching and, and have a stable kind of life. Um, But I think that was around the time where things were just really, really changing um, in the university system where it's, you know, there just aren't so many full-time double-based professors, you know, understandably, because there aren't that many of us. Um, So that's why ultimately I didn't finish my master's, because it was just...
0: How many years was it going to be?
1: Two, okay. and then the doctor. It was gonna be three if I did everything in time, which probably wasn't gonna happen. You seem you know? like a
0: glutton for punishment. I know <laughs> solo double bass starting when you're eleven.
1: Yeah, I made a lot of the. <laughs> I made a lot of the difficult decisions. Somebody has to. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I did about a year of it, and I was just kind of looking at like all the money that I was taking out, you know, for student loans and mm. and things like that, and looking at like the job climate. And you know, I have a lot of friends that teach at universities and. Like, it's great, but there's only so many jobs, you know, and I wasn't even sure if that was what I wanted to do. So I figured, okay, well, <laughs> I probably shouldn't keep taking out more money, you know, in student loans and uh, maybe just try to do my own thing and, and see what happens. And so that's what I did. I dropped out and um, kept studying with, with Jeff. And, okay. Um, and you stayed in... Yeah, I was I was still in Denton at that point, and um, I was teaching privately, and I was freelancing and um, studying, and and that's around that was around the time where I started putting out YouTube videos okay. as well. And what and year was this? This was about 2012. Around then, um, 2012 2013 was a, around when I started putting out YouTube videos. Yep.
0: Of performing or teaching? uh, Performing. Okay.
1: Yeah, I was just putting out performance videos, and then after that was when the teaching videos started. Um, And it just kind of manifested and and went Mm. from there, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because I think deciding to teach is something that, um, I don't know, you can't really take it too lightly to some respect. Like, I know back when I was you know, maybe late teens, early 20s. I had a couple of base students and I was teaching them. But I, you know, yeah. what, what did I know? I thought I knew. Oh,
1: gosh, I, was I like, know. You know, I, I
0: was know. like, no, this is how you do it. Whereas, <laughs> and then, like, I didn't, then I didn't teach for privately. I didn't teach for, for years and years and years. Yeah. And then yeah. when I moved here, I kind of, I thought, well, maybe it's some, a way of, you know, keeping yeah. my head above water and get some students. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, maybe, you know, three, four years ago when I started teaching privately here, I still didn't really, I wasn't that good at it. Sure. I wasn't as good yeah. at teaching as I was at playing
1: yeah, bass, right. you know?
0: And so it took a while to actually get good at teaching and, and understanding students and how to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of um, help them as opposed to just show them what they're doing wrong.
1: Oh, yeah. It's it's such a, I mean, it's a learning curve, you know, mm. to learn to teach. It's really, really difficult, and I still feel like, I mean, I know that I'm still learning the, the right you, way. you studied
0: it for like four?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, when I was at South Carolina, I did edu- I did music education for yeah. about a year okay. before I switched, but I still um there's a program called the String Project where you go through if you're training to do um or be an orchestra director. And so with that, it's it's a community style Okay, yeah. thing where you can train and work with kids in an orchestra kind of setting. So I continued to do that, but um you know, it's really focused on you know, the ensemble kind of teaching, not private teaching, One-on-one, you know? Yeah. I kind of feel like when you're training to be a private teacher, it's really just, you know, you just kind of do it through um, copying. Yeah. And yeah. also copying what your teachers did with you and, <clears throat> but even still, you know, I taught all the way through university, like privately. Mm. And I think about some of those, I still think about some students, like some things that I told my students and think, Sorry. If I had their phone number, yeah. <laughs> just call them and say, you know, that thing, that... but it even just learning to approach things and, and like you said, not just show them what they're doing wrong, but, you know, show them how to fix things. And, and my big thing in the past few years has been, um, teaching students to troubleshoot and also, um, how to practice
0: yeah. because
1: that was something that wasn't stressed a lot. You know, I, I, found that I would ask my teachers um, how would I practice this? What would you do? And um, I Because I had no idea how to even practice. My whole approach was like, I guess I'll just play it and then see and what happens. And over, yeah. yeah, and we both know that's not yeah. know, the right way to do it. So. And everybody
0: learns slightly differently as well.
1: Definitely. And and that's that's a big thing is trying to figure out how to show someone how to practice in the way that they'll understand, but also, or the way that they'll learn properly, but mm. also teaching them to figure out how they learn best, you know, cause I know what works for me, but it might not work for you and it might not work for, you know, a 10 yeah. year old kid that I'm yeah, teaching. Yeah. And, um, so that, that's been something that's been on my mind a lot is teaching my students to basically not need me anymore, you know, give and them
0: the tools so they can learn themselves.
1: Exactly. And also, you know, the whole practicing thing is it, it's a skill just like anything else, you know, and, and you can definitely do it wrong or just not effectively, you know, so.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, so the YouTube thing started to what, take off or?
1: Uh, Well, I don't know if take off is the right word, but you know, it's, it did well. I mean, it, it started a a kind of process for me. I mean, when I put my first couple videos out, I really didn't even do it with any kind of agenda. It kind of happened by accident those videos were just for um, this competition that I was doing. Okay. And um,
0: well, you had to submit a video performance thing? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. It was. I think it was three videos and um, you either had to put it on YouTube or I just put it up there anyway. I can't even remember but um, I put them up there and uh, then like A month or two later, I went back and looked and it had, you know, like not a massive amount of views, maybe like a thousand, maybe 1200 or something like that. But I was like, this is cool. And I had people commenting saying, oh, this is great. This is what, yeah, it was that, uh, (laughs) that praise kind of thing, you know, (laughs) but I thought, you know, at the time I didn't have an outlet for my solo music. You know, I was, I was playing... In orchestra gigs, because there's so many orchestras in Texas. So if you want to freelance, like okay. just yeah, that's rush. what you do. You know, <laughs> it's it's cool. Every town has their own orchestra. It's awesome. So I was doing a lot of that, and I was doing a lot of teaching. But for my solo music, I really didn't have an outlet for it. And so I thought that that would be a really cool way for me to get out the music that I love to work on and love yeah. to play. And so um, it wasn't for another, I don't know, year that I actually made my next video. And then from there, you know, I can only do so many <laughs> at a time because it's such a big, I mean, we were just talking about video production and how, you know, time-consuming it can be. Um, but it was really cool to actually put my music out there and, mm. and perform that way, you know. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Um, so then how did you how did you start to get involved with the Discover Double Bass stuff with Jeff? and?
1: Well... Um, I guess it was when I moved to Austin I thought maybe I could also do some teaching online as well, and I had been doing some Skype lessons mm-hmm. and um you know, I was always teaching privately, and I thought, um, if my performance videos were doing really well, then maybe people would like to learn about you know bass from me yeah. as well so i I thought, um, I could just put some videos out and and just sort of see, but then. It kinda turned into this whole idea for an actual website, you know, like similar to Scott's Bass Lessons or Discovered a Ways yep. and um, It was a huge project and I, I put out like a hundred videos that I had I'd recorded Lesson videos, you know, really? I recorded and um, built the whole website and like actually learned to code a little bit. Like it was a whole, it was a whole thing. It was really, it was cool, but it was also like
0: You're like I wish I'd studied some of this at uni. I
1: know, I know. <laughs> um, and so that was kind of how that started. And for a while, all my videos were just on that site where it was a membership-based site. Okay. And then I was, I was kind of thinking, well, why don't I put some of those. On YouTube, where people can actually mm-hmm. see what I'm doing because at that point nobody really had an incentive to sign up, you know, to my website. Yeah,
0: nobody had, no, nobody knew it was there, I guess.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I would put it like on Facebook, but what kind of reach to did I have? To your friends that know? are on
0: Facebook, exactly,
1: dude. who aren't even bass players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I started putting some of those videos. Because um,
0: essentially, it's it's the biggest shop window in the world, YouTube, right? Mm-hmm.
1: It really is. You know, that's people it. can see, and and that's kind of how discoverable base is um, modeled, where you know we've got these free lessons that we put out so people can, I mean, learn different techniques. You know, if they can't afford to buy whatever, you know, yeah. um, but also a way that they can kind of see, oh, like Jeff actually does know very much what he's talking about. <laughs> Maybe his whole course on this will be great. Yeah. You know, and. Um, so I, I did that for a while and then, um,
0: and that helped the numbers in the website?
1: Well, it, it did, but not a whole lot, (laughs) you know, it's my website really did not do that great, but it was a, you know, it was a relative to the
0: amount of work that it takes. Exactly.
1: You know, and, and it was, I'm glad that I did it. It was fun. And, um, it led to discover double bass, which is great, you know? So after a while, um, I still remember this. I started getting Skype students or Skype inquiries from people that were like, "Yeah, Jeff Chalmers told me to to contact you." Jeff is the the owner at Discoverable Base, and um, I was like, "Oh, really? Okay." So I like send him, you know, some messages saying, "Thank you." You know, so and so contacted me and said that you whatever, and um, then I remember him saying, "Hey, do you want to catch up for a Skype call sometime?" And I was like, okay. Like, sure, you know, <laughs> but I don't know why you want to talk to me. <laughs> um, and on that call, he, you know, proposed the idea of me trying to do um, a classical double bass course, and, um, you know, he was he was saying that he wanted to essentially expand Discover Double Bass to include um, a classical specialist, I guess, because okay. he's very much a jazz musician. Oh, and, okay, right. um, I mean, he's great at classical music, but I think that he wanted to sort of separate himself from,
0: yeah. from that. Just, I mean, there's two know. huge
1: yeah. musical it's pillars, so to speak. So Yeah, it's a lot. Sense. So um, we did that course. And um, then, it, you know, it just, from there, we both kind of checked in. And he was like, you want to keep doing this? And I was like, yeah, do you? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So then it just, cool. you know, the rest is kind of history, you know? <laughs> so
0: <laughs> so where, where are you at with that? What's the most recent kind of thing you've been putting up there?
1: Well, recently I did an update to my bowing course, which was the very first one that I did. Um, and it almost doubled, maybe even more, it like almost doubled the uh, the actual course from the original content. So I kept all the original videos, but I just added you know other techniques and other videos, other exercises, that kind of thing. So it turned into like a five and a half hour long course. Um, but before that, yeah, <laughs> before that I had done, A course on thumb position. Um, And, yeah, exactly. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, now I'm working on a couple courses that um, I haven't started the filming process yet, um, but I'm hoping to start in a little bit. I'm doing one on um, playing solo music and then another one on just general left-hand technique, which is going to... Be massive, like I can just feel it. Yeah. It's gonna be one of those huge. That's the thing when you courses. start doing
0: those things is you go, oh, then if we're talking about that, we should probably talk about this. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And even but with at least the, you, at
0: least you're in it. You've got an environment where you can do all those. I mean, you could do eighty videos if you wanted to. And,
1: exactly. Yeah. And that that's what's so great about you know something like discoverable base. I mean, Jeff has really given me just yeah. the environment that I can.
0: People get mm-hmm. their money's worth. I mean, yeah, yeah, they
1: definitely do. You know, <laughs> and with the concepts of solo playing course, I'm still like, even this morning I was like, wait, did I cover? No, I didn't. Mm, I should probably, but <laughs> it's just like an endless amount of, of stuff that, you know, you feel like you owe it to your audience to include yeah. and, and talk about. Um, and so that's, Like grappling with that has also been kind of a learning curve for me is figuring out like what is actually important like what is the actual core Mm. of this course that I need to make sure is in there and what you know is maybe just extra that I could include that would be fun but you know what will become overwhelming like what will do you know less good than you know add something important if that makes sense.
0: It's an interesting Concept, you know, um, I mean, we we've, we've all learned music from books, you know, method books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But learning, um, you know, in in the, in the age we live in, where people can log in and yeah, and learn remotely, it's just like, do you do you get much feedback from from students from from the students? Like, do you get to you know follow the progress and see how they're getting on?
1: A little bit. I mean, in the way that Discoverable Base is set up is you know under each video there's a comment section where people can comment and I mean honestly I wish that people used it more you, you know because <laughs> yeah but, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about um I wish that people did use it more because um you know I even just to let me know like the
0: people are watching it I think
1: yeah exactly <laughs> like, but you know just to let me know like um if they're having even a little bit of an issue like understanding a tiny snippet of of what they're you know of, of what I'm trying to get them to do, but um, I'm always, always conscious of whether a specific video or a specific lesson or the way I taught a specific lesson um, actually comes across. You know, it, is it coherent? Is it? Does it make sense? Does it make sense to someone that's starting from zero? Does it yeah. make sense from to someone that's starting from an intermediate level? I mean, that's always a concern, and and I've had a few students that have said about particular lessons well i i think that you could have maybe talked about this could you add this in and then it's it's usually on the lessons that i'm most worried about that people are like no that was great you know so um i i do appreciate the feedback either way because you just it's not like a one-on-one lesson where you know you know you can see what their progress is um so
0: and i think with all these things i always recommend Get a teacher.
1: As oh, well, absolutely. Right? Yeah, it's,
0: it's supplementary to absolutely to what you're doing. I think I think that's what a lot of a lot of students that I get coming through. They've just been trying to you know learn about modes from videos online or learn how to slap mm-hmm. from online, mm-hmm. and they come here, and, and I'm just like, yeah, forget, don't worry about all that just now. This is what you need to focus. Because people absolutely. don't, we don't always know what it is that we have to work on, and exactly. that's where a, a good teacher can,
1: yeah, yeah, can
0: hopefully, hopefully help out and go, okay, you know, yeah. actually, before you try and do that you got to think about doing this. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that will help that. Yeah, and I mean, I think when you get to a certain level, you know, you you can buy a course or go to lessons sure. online. and But you have to also understand um, what you... You have to have an understanding of how to fix a problem. You have to yeah, you have understanding to have some kind of, of
0: autonomous what, learning thing. That, exactly.
1: Yeah, you've got to have that experience. So
0: self-critical... Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I absolutely agree with that, and I always tell people you know I mean like it's your choice you're an adult you can do you know what you like with the course but I think it would be really helpful if you also had someone there to you know tell you this this looks good this is because it might be something even just really tiny that you don't even pick up like your wrist is just a little too high or or whatever so absolutely
0: yeah cool and is there anything that if you could go back you know in time and give yourself some advice or help Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would have said to yourself back then or changed?
1: You mean just at any point in my life or in particular when I was starting the video lessons? Oh, or no, I mean
0: like just like when you were, when you were learning bass. Oh, gosh. Like oh in, your, gosh. in your kind of musical development. Like yeah. Like, could you go back and go, you know what, don't worry about this or focus more on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but listening was a huge yeah. thing. And once I realized... What a good tool listening was! It it opened up so many doors for me. You know, it's like when you're a writer, you need to be reading books all the time. You need to be reading, uh, yeah. you know, your genre, other genres, you know, just so you can understand the inner workings of or a it. Com-
0: composer, you know, listening to
1: exactly, it. exactly. And so once I started listening to music, I mean, it was a way for me to sort of fall in love with different you know because there's all these subgenres of classical music it's not just one thing and different styles that I liked I figured out what soloists were my favorite and um I wish that I had started that earlier mm. you know like when I was a teenager yeah. because I mean I think that it my journey I'm, I'm happy with but I think it would have made me a little bit more excited you know mm. in in a time when I just kind of Didn't have as much drive, you know, I mean, I was a high school kid. So I guess You know whatever but yeah, (laughs) high school things were more important, but Um, I think it I think I would have really fallen in love with the bass a lot earlier Mm. Um, and it might have caused me to maybe You know figure out some things a little bit sooner and and give myself a little bit more I think definitely like
0: one of the you know just thinking back to my learning was like my bass teacher gave me a, a mixtape.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: mixtape. Look it up. Okay. <laughs> um, and it was all these bass players that I'd never heard of. You know, Gary Willis was on there. Yeah. And Victor was on yeah. there. And um, just all this. Al- Alain Caron was on mm-hmm. there. And I just remember listening to it and going, this is all bass? I don't... I yeah. Just, I just Because, like, yeah. you know, like we're talking about before internet and stuff. So mm-hmm. that was the only way I had access to that kind yeah, of music. And that made exactly. me
1: go,
0: wow, okay, the world of bass is... Is this yeah. because up until then my world had been what I had known, you yeah, know? And so exactly. just to see that, that that was possible and that was all the sounds, and that mm-hmm. was all, and also that it was all these different things were um, not just acceptable but you know, praised and lauded and held up as yeah. good things. It was like, oh, you can really just, you don't have to be within the lines so much, absolutely. You know, you can actually then forge your own path once you get to grips with it all. But yeah, you know, really um, developing your own voice is. Yeah. Is really important.
1: Yeah, well and no matter what you do, no mm. matter what you go into, whether it's, you know, a career in music or, or whatever, I mean, particularly if you're going into career in music, there are so many different directions that you can go. That if you you know, what career choice you make doesn't have to be the only kind of music that you play, you know. If you're an orchestral musician, that doesn't mean that you can't play solo music really yeah. well. It doesn't mean that you can't play, you know, in a like in a funk band, like whatever, you know, you yeah. can do whatever you want. And I think um, the internet specifically has really opened that up because until then I mean I, I even remember when I was in school it was like, okay, I wanna be a performer. Yes, but what do you wanna do though? Do you wanna be an orchestra musician? Do you wanna do Baroque music? Do you wanna do this? And it's like this choice that you have music. to make? Exactly. I mean it you know, it makes sense because all of those have different techniques and whatever, but like you said, it's it's all music. Yeah. And you don't have to lock yourself into just one thing, mm. no matter what your job is, you know. You can still explore you know it's all possible doesn't mean that you're just because you're a bass player doesn't mean that you're just the you know the accompaniment or whatever which is yeah. a really fun role to play but there's a lot of other things that you know are, are possible as well yeah so, for sure yeah.
0: yeah um so your time in north texas like that's mm-hmm. a pretty renowned university oh yeah like yeah um I mean, the first time I was kind of it came up on my radar was the Snarky Puppy guys.
1: Oh yeah. Were so you around? At the, the I didn't know any of now? those guys uh, personally. But I'm guessing um,
0: their legacy has had a big.
1: Yeah, I mean they were. Legacy. <laughs> they, <laughs> I think they had moved to New York by the time I got there. Right. But um, all my friends knew them or you know had seen them play yeah. like forever. I mean they went through the the program and so they were really inspiring. It was really cool to see you know what. What they were doing and what they continue to do. Yeah. So no, I didn't know them personally, but I saw them play, and you know, I followed them pretty heavily. Yeah, so that was cool. And one of the
0: things that, that I noticed about them was when we were talking earlier about um, memorizing music yeah. is that they don't ever ever have any charts in front of them.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Which we, I didn't realize until after a while I was watching the video. and we were like, hang on, there's like, <laughs> there's like yeah. 15 people here. And there's not one bit of music.
1: Yeah. And it's yeah. all, it all, yeah, it
0: pl- and you know, and they're recording it live with an audience and yeah. videos.
1: Yeah. No, it was, it was everything, you know. <laughs> you
0: know, and we, we did our little thing out in the garden, the oh, two know. of us, and we had the music down there just in case. Yeah,
1: just in case. But, you know, that's, that's, that was kind of the culture at North Texas. You know, in the big bands, they, you know, you'd have a chart there, yeah. um, <clears> but <throat> I don't, I don't remember it being very common for people, you know, if you're in like a trio or um, even just going to see someone play at like, you know, like a coffee shop or um, a venue that has like, you know, like a listening room for for jazz. I don't remember that being a, a big thing. I think most people, it was sort of ingrained in all of us, like just leave the music at yeah. home and that that was really cool you know because for some things like orchestra music and big band music I mm-hmm. think it doesn't it doesn't make sense to you memorize know, it. just to memorize it yeah, but for sure. yeah
0: so. yeah and do you have any I mean obviously we're in Melbourne yeah <laughs> like yeah. how does how does it compare coming from somewhere like that to here I mean have you had much experience with the the live scene here and or the education scene here like how do you think
1: Well, I'm still kind of, I'm still sort of finding my feet, you know, and, um, it's been a little bit of a long process because, you know, I, for so long, I just didn't even trust myself to try to drive on these roads, (laughs) like (laughs) on a complete, not like saying anything about the roads here is like totally me on the other side, you know, I just, I, but now, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more confident with it. So (laughs) for a long time, I, I was kind of limited, um, in terms of transportation, but, um, With the music scene i mean they're obviously like totally different scenes you know but um one thing i really love about melbourne is the live scene you know live music scene Mm -hmm. it just i don't know what it was but when i first got here it just really stuck out to me that people love going out and hearing live music Mm -hmm. and even just little things you know like i swear with some gigs that i would play in texas like no matter how much i promoted the gig if it was free, like didn't matter. It was just really hard to get people out, probably because we're all working musicians, you know. But even just people that aren't musicians, it was kind of hard to get people to come out and, and see live music. Not always, but mm-hmm. um, here it just kind of seems like people are really hungry yeah, for cool. that, you know. They,
0: it's interesting because I've had people, a lot of musicians, say the opposite here. You oh, know, really? Just, like it's so hard to get people out and stuff. Yeah, like that. but I yeah. guess it's all relative to where you've. Yeah. what you're used to. I mean, people here complain about the weather. <laughs> and I'm yeah. from Scotland, so I'm yeah. just like, shut up. <laughs> for you, it's probably a little bit different.
1: Yeah, it is. You get, you know, really sunny and, like, scorching hot days for, like, you know, like one summer we had, like, 100 days over 100-degree weather in, in Texas, and that was just stupid. Wow. But, you know, here the weather just changes so much, which is funny. Yeah. But, um, you know, going... <laughs> going back to the music scene it, I mean like you said it, it's relative but it it's just assuring I guess that people are. Really interested, and yeah. you know, it doesn't even really seem like it matters the kind of music, you know. Yeah, what, you,
0: whatever you're into is, is exactly here. for me. Yeah. It was kind of it was almost like a mini New York. Like, yeah. there's, a, yeah. there's a Latin scene. You know, there's a, there's a rock yeah. scene. There's a punk scene. There's a fusion scene. There's yeah. a, you know, whatever you're into is, it's and there's cool. really good players.
1: Yeah, doing and it. there's a lot of opportunity to sort of explore. You know, if if you've never heard, you know, like a true Latin band or something, then you know, go yeah. out and, and find it. You well, know, that's it. And, and it's also cool to me that. Um, you know, people are just kind of, they just want to go out and, and hear music. Um, and so if, if you put your music out there, you know, and and you book a gig, like you'll have, you'll have some people there, you know, like people will go out and it seems like they search for it, you know, and, and that's really cool. And also, you know, the amount of orchestras that are here, I mean, I I mentioned earlier that there's a lot of orchestras in Texas, but Texas is huge to be fair, you know, and it's still pretty special, but, um. There are so many community orchestras here, which is really cool, you know, so people that aren't professional musicians and really just, you know, even hobbyists doing it kind of on the side can go out and and play, you know, they have the opportunity to play in public and um, I think that that's that's really cool, really inspiring because I don't remember a lot of community orchestras in Texas in particular, you know, definitely not as many as here, you know, that, that play. Yeah as regularly as they do so that's been that's been really cool to see Mm -hmm.
0: and i mean did you have any concept or idea about what it was going to be like or the players that would be here or the scene before you got here
1: a little bit a little bit i mean i i had some friends here i had some skype students here and so i'd um i'd kind of talk to them about what the scene was like and what they were doing but um you know it's always different when you actually get into a place and you sort of see what people are doing um i mean one of the biggest things is you know, just the amount of people that are here compared to like, you know, Texas, but also like New York city. I mean, it's just, it's so different, which is cool because, you know, in a way, like when there's so many people, you just have everybody there, you know, and you can meet all these different people that, you know, you could potentially click with or clash with, you know, mm-hmm. you just have no idea. And there's so many opportunities, but here I, I like that there, you know, it's not, as heavily populated you know so there are less musicians but it seems like because of that there's more opportunity for each musician and i could be completely wrong about this i'm just a foreigner no i think i mean
0: from my perspective it was like it was big enough that there was enough work and a good enough scene but it wasn't too big that you felt lost exactly like new york or you get swallowed up kind of thing so melbourne seems like it's got that kind of nice balance and in terms of size and the community scene the music community at least seems really yeah you know accepting and stuff like that
1: Absolutely and that was that was one of the things that really drew me to to Melbourne was you know the the people mm. really and and the opportunity and you know it's also prettier than <laughs> Texas You, you know. reckon? Yeah. I mean Texas is beautiful in its own way Yeah. but um I'm you know a beach girl at heart so okay. I, I really missed that when I was in Texas yeah, right. you know so yeah.
0: Are you so? Are you looking to do orchestral stuff here, or are you kind of throwing yourself into the solo um, solo world? Have you done much performing since we got
1: here? Um, no, I haven't done much solo performing. No, but you know, to be honest, I'd really just like to do whatever I can. You know, like yeah. I love solo playing, so obviously that's always going to be a part of my life. I guess um, you don't really
0: need to. Choose solo playing or orchestral. You sure. Can definitely do it, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. I I love to do some orchestral gigs. I would love to um, play solo concerts, you know, house Chamber concerts music. that kind of thing. Chamber music, yeah. you know, I'm, you know, just in the same way in Texas that I was just kind of open to whatever, you know. Yeah. I'd I'd like to see what what I can sort of get into here yep. as well. So.
0: And is the level comparable?
1: Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm still just like kind of here, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't lived like a whole lot of places around the world. You Have know, you tra- but
0: done a bit of traveling before? I mean, have you-
1: um, Not really, actually. I mean, I've lived in a few cities in in the States, you know. Which
0: I, is kind of like traveling different parts should, of the
1: world. Well, yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, but I mean, you kind of learn that wherever you go, I mean, it's... There's no one city where, like, everyone's fantastic and one sure. city where everyone is terrible, you know. it's Everyone is special in their own way, but places, and I don't mean that but in... There's
0: definitely meccas and hubs, you know, oh, places with totally. great universities totally. or places like New York or LA yeah. or Chicago. They're going to have, yeah. you, you know there's going to be a, a certain
1: Absolutely. caliber of musician yeah. that
0: exists there.
1: Yeah, but, you yeah. know, it. one thing that I think is kind of a telltale sign is if, you know, the live music scene I think. Yeah. You know, and if people are going out to hear people, they're not gonna keep going out if they're constantly disappointed, you True. know. And um, anytime I've gone out and, and seen someone play, it's you know, I've always enjoyed hearing yeah, cool. hearing what they're doing and, and the Melbourne Symphony I just love, you know, they always sound fantastic and um, even the community orchestras, like it's crazy. Just the level, you know, for people that I mean you're not getting paid for it, so it's all just a, mm. a sort of passion project you know but they put a lot of work into it and the level is is really inspiring
0: well it's great the, to have you here oh thanks. you know i hope it's some um, the start of uh, a great career path for you and thank you you know and thanks. you get to play and teach yeah. and meet people and thank and you grow. i appreciate so, it so yeah thanks. everybody I'm Pierce. thanks for having me yeah thanks for watching guys thanks for listening and we'll see you next time bye <laughs>